Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, the thing I always forget to do is push the got it button. I always forget to push the enter on the Mac does the got it button. And that's, uh, if you don't do that, you can't unmute. That happened to me on your show one day, Tom. I couldn't unmute when I wanted to. Uh, then I did, finally. Anyway, welcome to Lively Latin. And uh, we're still reviewing everything, pretty much. Um, reviewing today the genitive case and looking at how you can be confused with the nominative plural and the genitive singular. Genitive plural and accusative singular can look alike. So we're going to try to look at some of those look-alike things today. We're also going to review the stuff we learned about the first period of Roman history, and we're also going to do a Latin grace, and we're also going to talk about the date of case, which we talked about before. So we have a lot to do, and uh, we will see how it goes. Let's... I'm in here because I'm having trouble. With your phone? My connection. Oh, dear. My wife just said she was having trouble with her connection. Anyway, we just updated these phones last week, so you know how that goes sometimes. It gets a little little dicey. All right. Let's, uh, just to get us going, maybe we'll do our grace first. And the grace, our Latin grace is... uh, toward the end of lesson 51 and it's the same exact grace we did last year uh, this is the grace my latin professor taught me and i just think it's kind of cute if you want to say it thanksgiving time and impress everybody with how much latin you know uh they might kind of get a kick out of it uh so this grace it's called a latin grace toward the end of the lesson and i'll just say it and you can repeat it muted after me Oculi omnium in te spectant. Et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune. Panem quotidianum da nobis hodie. Per dominum nostrum Jesum Christum. Amen. Okay, and let, we'll do it again. Oculi omnium in te spectant. Are we supposed to repeat it? You can, but you better mute so you won't, because uh, if you repeat okay. and everyone else repeats, it gets kind of confusing. Et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune. Panem quotidianum da nobis hodie. Per dominum nostrum Jesum Christum. Amen. And I'm going to go over that line by line just so you'll know what it means. Three eight five four four eight two four seven. Excuse me one second. Okay, we're back. Um, The first line says "oculi omnium in te spectant," which means the eyes of all are looking toward you. Okay, uh, omni, uh, oculi omnium in te spectant. 
et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune. And you give them their food opportunely in time. Uh, we might say on time. Panem quotidianum da nobis hodie. Give us our daily bread today. Uh, then per dominum nostrum Jesum Christum through uh, Jesus Christ, our master, our Lord. Amen. And uh, so that's what it means. I'm going to say it through completely, and you can say it with me to yourself, if you know what I mean. Oculi omnium in te spectant, et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune, panem quotidianum da nobis hodie, per dominum nostrum Jesum Christum. Amen. Okay, and again, oculi omnium in te spectant, et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune, panem quotidianum da nobis hodie, per dominum nostrum Jesum Christum. Amen. There we go. Okay. And that's your your grace. Uh, and we'll go over that for a couple of weeks in case anyone wants it, uh, wants to know it. Uh, we'll go over a couple of weeks and we'll let it go. And then after Thanksgiving, we'll do uh, Christmas carols again like we did last year. Everybody seems to enjoy them. And we'll again work on teaching you Catholic Latin verses or along with classical Latin, uh, just so you'll get the idea. Okay, let's look at uh, let's look at these declensions. All you have to do is write each of these nouns in the nominative singular and plural, genitive singular and plural, and accusative singular and plural. So it's not not as hard. How do we do famina? Famina. Famina. What's famina mean, by the way? Woman. Yep. Female. It means woman. Uh, okay. oh, well, female will be the same thing, I suppose. So how do we do uh, this word? How do we do famina? Remember, we're going to go down the left-hand side, the singular. Then we're going to go down the right-hand side, the plural. So how do we do this? A-A-E-A-E-A-M. <laughs> all right. Well, A, A, E, and A, M is all you have to do for right now because we haven't done the dative yet. That's coming oh. up. So, fame enough, fame and I, fame and I'm. Ah, I, um. That's all you have to do. Ah, I, um. Fame enough, fame and I, fame and I'm. And then the plural? Fame and I, fame and arm, fame and us. That's it. Fame yeah. and I, fame and arm, fame and us. Very good. Hello, Carla. <laughs> fame and I, fame and I, fame and I'm, and then fame and I, fame and I'm, fame and he's. Carla, we're on the first decline, first noun that we had to decline. We've already gone over our grace that we had from last year. Okay, number two. What about phileus? How do we do that? Nominative, genitive, accusative is all we have to do today. What does that mean? What does which mean? Phileus. Son. Son, oh, S-O-N, okay. that is, okay. S-O-N. This is where we get the word affiliate. So like the, oh. um, you know, like uh, N-A or A-A-B-T is an affiliate of C of uh, A-C-B. Uh, affiliate means like a child of it, like a child organization of it. 
um, if you affiliate with something, you join yourself to it like a child would, I suppose. Uh, all right. So, Phileas, how do we do that? Phileas. By the way, that's a good question. If you don't know a word meaning, you should ask. Otherwise, you just don't know it. That's all. All right. How do we do Phileas? Phileas is the nominative. F-I-L-I-I. Okay. If you're post-Ciceronian, F-I-L-I-I. If you live during the time of Cicero or earlier, F-I-L-I. And it really doesn't matter to me which one you do. Um, either one. When I was in school, we learned F-I-L-I. But then when I got in college teaching, I learned that it could be either one. Okay. So F-I-L-I and the accusative. Philium. Yep. Philium. All right. Plural. Philias. No, that not Philias. I'm not sure. Philii. Philii, and it has to have two eyes. F I L I I. Yes. Uh, All right. Then the plural. Filiorum. Yep. And then Filio, the Filios. Filios. Yes. Filii. Filiorum. Filios. Okay. My favorite Latin word. Opidum. I don't know why. I always like the sound of that word. Opidum. Good, because it's neuter. And I'm going to tell you something funny about that word in a minute. And the plural? Opida. Yep. Opidorum. Yep. And opida. Yep, opida, opidorum, opida. I want to tell you something interesting about this word, Carla. You'll be especially interested in this. This word can also have a completely different meaning than the word town. And I saw this last week. I was reading a play in Latin, and I came across this word. And I remembered in Cicero's letters, it's also used. The, the form opido, which looks like a dative or an ablative, can also mean something like very much so. It has nothing to do with town. I don't know how that happened. I don't know why that happened. Uh, I guess there are occasionally words that look like they would be related, but they're not. And that's that's one that's not. And I was trying to think if there are any words like that in English that look alike, but have two totally separate meanings. And the closest I could get, and this isn't a good example, is red and red. You know, they're spelled different, R-E-D versus R-E-E-A-D, but they sound alike. But I, but this is a word that looks just like the word for town, but it has a whole different meaning. It's an indeclinable adverb, like so. You've got a lot of them like tear, T-A-R-E, like the wheats and the tear. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good one. That's pale, pale. Word. In fact, I'm working with ESL students on confusing words like that. And we're compiling a whole list of those. That's a good one. Pale and pale, tear and tear. Yeah. <sighs> and then, of course, you have the ones that are spelled differently and mean differently, but sound the same. Like, you know, bear, bear and bear and two, 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 two and yeah. there and there. Of course, if you live on the Eastern Shore, Tom, there's a difference between T-H-E-R-E and T-H-E-I-R. On the Eastern Shore, T-H-E-R-E is there. T-H-E-I-R is there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> about this opium thing, I wonder if there's any distant relation to optimum, you know. Opt, you know. Now, that's a, now, that is an interesting thought. That is a very interesting thought. That, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe somebody said 
optimum and meant open or said open doom and meant optimum. And remember too, some of these are comedies. This play that I was reading was a comedy. Can you go get him? This play I was reading was a comedy. And in a comedy, they might mix it up on purpose, you know. So that's that's possible, possible. I'm not impossible. I like that as a possible reason. All right, Miles. Third declension now, getting a little harder. Miles. Uh, Miles, Miletus, Miletem. Yep. Miles, Miletus, Miletem. Miletes, Miletum, Miletes. Miletes, Miletum, Miletes. Yeah, that's what it is. Good. All right. Temp Tempus. Temporus. Temporum. No, almost no. music. Tempus and temp temporis and tempus, because it's neuter. Temporis oh. and tempus. Oh. That's a tricky one. And then the plural then would be tempora. Tempora. Temporum. Temporum. Tempora. Tempora. Very good. Tempora, temporum, tempora. All right. Senatus. By the way, what does senatus mean? Senate. Now, this one, you know what confuses me again is that long U again, Sinatra's. Yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still confused with that. And it's because it wasn't, uh, let's say, they we, they didn't emphasize it in yep. my course. Sinatus, Sinatus. That's how you pronounce it. Sinatus, Sinatus. So it's, it's pronounced different uh, from it. So Sinatus, Sinat, the genitive would be Sinatus. Yes, Sinatus. All right. And the accusative? Um, that's sanatum. Sanatum without a long U. All right, then the plural is going to be sanatus. Sanatus. Then Sanatum. But the first U would have the long mark. But the no, 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 neither one. Well, you pronounced it sanatum. Well, I did sanatum. I just said it that because it's it's kind of it's kind of it it, it rushes by. I mean. Uh, you could either say senatuum or senatuum, and I don't probably more like senatuum. So, so which ones, uh, which forms are going to have that? Just nominative, plural. Nominative, plural. Huh? Genitive, singular, and accusative, plural. Okay, nominative, just... plural. Genitive, singular. Accusative, plural. That's just. And actually, there are other ones that will. The ablative, singular, will, but you don't need to know it to differentiate because it'll be, you know, it'll be different enough that it won't matter, but it really has it. I guess the genitive plural actually has it on the final U, senatuum, but but it won't matter because you'll know it by the two U's. The only ones I force people to learn is the ones that if you didn't see it, you wouldn't know it. You know, of course, the funny dumb thing about that is if you got a college literature book, like not not a grammar book, but if you got into reading, they don't show you long marks anyway a lot of times. So. They didn't in my linguistical Latin course, which really surprised me. You'd think they'd show it all. Yeah, you would. Especially after this big discussion of diacritical marks and languages that we had. You would think they would have. Maybe the Braille just didn't. Maybe the print did. No, they no? didn't even have it in the print because I asked my Brailleist. Good night. What what uh, what was your text that you had for that? Oh, I can't. It's been years. I can't remember now. I'll try to find yeah. out for I'm you. I'm just curious. 
the big linguist in Latin, the guy that really tried to apply linguistics to Latin was that guy named Waldo Sweet. And he tried, and the big thing that it, that it does, the good thing that it did, it um, made them see that some things they were teaching pretty early in Latin maybe could be put off till a little later. One of them is the passive voice. Third person singular passive voice is used all the time, but things like first and second person aren't used as much. And so they figured, well, you know, let's just teach them what really is used most. And so, fides. Did you, did you do the end of sonatus? I you stopped on sonatum. Oh, sonatus. Then sonatus, sonatum, sonatus. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fides. Fidei. 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 Fides. Um. I mean. E-U-M. Feed E M feed them. Remember that song, feed them well, sanctissimum. There it is. Same word. Feed them. So feed fides, fidei, feed them. Then the plural. Um or fides. 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 Just like the singular. Yeah. And then feed feedum. Fiderum. And then fides again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now we're going to add that this lesson, we're going to add the dative. So you'll have some new endings. To do. So is that the same as, is that, no, I guess it doesn't. Do, what? Does that work the same as DAs? Yeah. DAs, D-A-E-D-M, DAs, D-A-R-M, D-A-S. Okay. I invented some of that. Okay. That's, again, I think if you were to ask most Latin students, they don't remember fourth and fifth declension because they learned them late. They learned them late in the year or maybe the beginning of the second year, and they don't learn them very well. And you don't see too many words, just a few. All right. Now, here's where we get into the confusion. Let's see if you can tell me whether these words are nominative plural or genitive singular, accusative singular or genitive plural. Pueri sonitum conum audium. What does that sentence mean? The boys hear the bark Sorry. of the dog. Well, the sound of dogs. The boys hear the sound of dogs. So notice, sony tune oh, is accusative yeah. singular. Conum is genitive plural. Conum, conu, conum genitive plural. Um, also, pueri is that, the way Ninet translated that, is that nominative plural or genitive singular? Nominative plural. Yep, because no, there is no phrase. With the genitive, you're going to have a phrase, like mm -hmm. sonitum conum, for example. And then you can tell by the verb ending. I'll do one. And you, yes, because the verb, the verb ending is plural. Right. All right. Everybody with me on this? All right. Number two. Pater pueri es senator. The, the, the boy's father is a senator. Right. And so pueri is what? Pueri is um, the um, genitive plural of the boys. No, genitive singular. Puerorum would be the plural. Oh, that's right. Of the you boys, meant you boys. meant what you said. You meant you meant singular. I know you meant because you translated it right. So I know you knew what right. you were saying. You just said it wrong. Yeah, so that's genitive saying. You have a phrase. You have a phrase. Pater pueri. So you can tell from the phrase. 
All right, number three. In That's open a predicate nominative, though, isn't it, with est? Yes, 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 yes. It's a predicate nominative, yes. In opidum domini, servos mitunt. Um, the master uh, sends the servants to the town. Right. The master send the slaves the into the town. the town. And and therefore, ser we would be nominative plural. Or rather, excuse me, domini would be nominative plural. Right. Okay. Uh, let me just look at this a minute. Now. Uh, you could, it's not likely, okay? It's not likely. You could make a case for translating this sentence as they send the slaves into the master's town. Hmm. It's not likely, but it could mean that. It's not as likely, but it could. Singular master. Not likely, because, I mean, how many masters own a town? But I suppose you could have one that did. Cicero kind of well, did. Could the be the town where, hometown, right? The, the town where they were located. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, most likely the answer that, they, that you all gave was right. The masters are sending the slaves into the town. But it is possible to mean the other. So that's an ambiguous sentence. No subject. There'd be no hmm? subject. No, then the, no then the subject would be in the verb, they sent, right? And you can do that. It's not likely, but it could be done. <laughs> All right. Puelli, famini, sunt, lighti. So the girls of the woman women are happy. Are happy. It, it is woman. The woman's girls are happy. Yeah, the woman's. I kept therefore, wanted to be da- I wanted it to be daughters. And I yeah, couldn't. well, I could have. I probably could have made it daughters, but I just didn't. It probably daughters would have made a little better sense. But we say girl, the woman's girls sometimes. And anyway, maybe they're her servant girls. You don't know. All right, number five. Puelli et pueri sunt irati. <laughs> the girls are angry. The girls and the boys are angry. are angry. By the way, Carla, here's a rule that you can take to the bank in almost any language, as far as I know. It's a man's world. And if yes. you have masculine and feminine things mixed, That's the right. adjective modifying them will be masculine. That's right. I, all the languages I know are like yeah. that. And, it and works that way in like French. My, my students are like, that's not fair, especially my female students. That's yeah, not fair. It's not, that's not well, fair. It's not fair, but uh, but somebody wrote it long ago. Right. Uh, so, irati is going to be used because it's talking about both boys and girls. Well, you have to have some kind of standard. I mean, that, I don't, yeah. it doesn't get me excited you know <laughs> well you're used to it see no but and, i mean what are you going to do you're going to put two verbs in there say i mean how are you going to fix that to well, add you have to you, or, or make well, it so yeah, it's feminine or make it so whatever. it doesn't matter but if you said it didn't matter then you wouldn't know in some cases whether you had all girls all boys you wouldn't know you know this way you do know that you have a mixed group it's clear so, uh, all right. Puetai woke case hominum laudant. 
the poet's praise, voice. the voice of the man. The voices of, of, of men. Some, of the men, yeah. The, bo- the poets praise the men's voices. And so woe case is accusative plural and hominum is genitive plural. Oh, good. All right. You can tell uh, poetai is your nominative um, plural because the verb, again, it, it agrees, laudant. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's right. All right. Seven. Weary epistulas legunt. That's an easy sentence. I'm sorry for giving you one that easy. The, the, men, the men read the letters. Yep. The men read the letters. So men is plural. And again, you uh, can tell by that verb. Right, you can tell by the verb. All right, eight. Pater Marki canes with debt. Marcus's father sees the dogs. Mm-hmm. Marcus's father sees the dogs. All right. Pater auxilium canum habet. <laughs> this is a little tricky. One. The father has. Mm-hmm. The, the dog's aid? Yep. The father has the help of the dogs or has the dog's help. Maybe in saving somebody or maybe in oh, I did it ag- or something. I did it again. Plural, plural, plural. Okay. Yeah, you did it right. Yeah, no, right. I didn't. When, no, oh, I didn't. Well, you sounded like you did. Servi filium domini ad casam ducunt. The servant, my braille machine tore my answer up. Um, <laughs> That's what happens to Carla all the time. It yeah. really did. It, it it put all this extra stuff. The, yeah, I, I wish I was in school nowadays, man. I could use that as an excuse for not yes, doing my homework. Really it really did. It, I know. I know. Serve. I don't know. So the slip. The servants, the slaves, not servants. Now, Sir, remember, oh, okay. slaves. Okay, so Slave. There's a difference. Lead, the, lead, lead the, 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 the master's son to the house. Okay, yeah, the slaves. The camp. Lead oh, the master's house. son to the house. Oh, okay. No, it's house, not castra now, but castra. Yeah, I keep wanting to mix up how, camp. The slaves and, lead uh, the master's son to the house. Good. Okay. The master's okay, very sons. good, and that's all we had to do for today. The master's sons. Yep, the sons of the master, Domini. Does everybody huh. understand how we got these answers? Because they are. This is the kind of thing that tricks people when you're trying to read. When you're you know, trying I, to read. I, it's always been this way for me that the declensions confuse me more than the translation of the sentences. Mm-hmm. Because you, you see the declensions in isolation. Right. And mm-hmm. you see yeah. the sentences. And that's why a college professor told me one time who was teaching Latin one, he said, the difference between high school Latin and college Latin is in high school Latin, you spend a great deal of time on the endings, which indeed we did. In high school and college Latin, yeah, we teach the endings. We get right to the sentences. Do these sentences, parse these forms, you know, 
They don't spend uh, as much time on individual words as we do. But I, I do have to be honest with you. These long marks are really, they, they confuse me because mm -hmm. I'm having to go back and learn them. I never knew them before. Mm -hmm. And they, they're making me doubt my work. Well, I'm now, the only long mark you have to know so far really is on the thrift declension. They're the only ones that really count so far. Now, when you get to ablative, yeah, long A, you'll have to know. When you do the verbs, you have to know long E-R-E -E versus short E-R-E. -E. But for right now, the only long mark you've got to know, if I were testing you, is genitive singular, nominative plural, accusative plural, a fourth declension. I'm putting some other ones in, but you don't really have to write them or know them. If I were testing you, you wouldn't have to know them. I don't know if that helps you or not, but you wouldn't. All right, dative case. Dative case is the is the uh, indirect object of the sentence, um, and I give you an example of that. Uh, well, first of all, I'll give you the declensions. Dative singular ae again. Oh boy, another confusion. Dative plural is. Um, second declension. Dative singular o which will be a confusion with the ablative singular. They'll be the same. And the dative plural, I-S. And that'll be true of neuter or masculine feminine. Third declension, I-I-B-U-S. Fourth declension is U-I-I-B-U-S. No long mark needed, uh, Carla. And fifth declension, E-I, just like the genitive singular. And... E-B-U-S. And I give you a little summary of these at the bottom there. I give you a summary of all the dative endings. A-E-I-S, O-I-S, I-I-B-U-S, U-I-I-B-U-S, I-E-B, or I, I made a mistake. I-E-B-U-S for fifth declension. I have I-B-U-S, it's E-B-U-S. Okay, the main use we're going to get this time is the indirect object. And the indirect object, if you give something to someone, tell something to someone, say something to someone, that to someone is the indirect object. So, we're filii pecunium dot. The man is giving money to his daughter. The man is giving his daughter money. Now, here's where it gets a little confusing. And Carla, you've seen this in your teaching, I'm sure. When you have a sentence like, the man is giving his daughter, people want to say his daughter is the direct object. But it's not. He's not giving his daughter away. He's giving money away. And he's giving it to his daughter. So sometimes the indirect object has a two. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's still the indirect object. Gary, in English, isn't it two or four for the indirect object? Yeah, you could you could do it for with four. And you can in Latin too, but in Latin, if it's four, it's usually not gonna be um as likely to be dative as it is to use something like pro on behalf of if you're talking about a person. And if you're talking about a thing, they might still use the dative, but they call it by a different name. They call it the dative of reference. For example, you might say something like he sent the soldiers for a guard and that for a guard would be dative but they wouldn't consider that indirect object they would consider that the dative of reference mm. 
prepositional phrase. Yeah, it's a prepositional <laughs> phrase for sure. For sure. Yeah. What did okay. you say the mistake was in the EBUS? Oh, fifth, the fifth declension where I gave him the summary of endings. I said the dative plural was IBUS. They should be EBUS. What's the example of that? Uh, right above that, right above that is uh, the declension of DAS, and I give you DABUS, D I E B U S. Okay. So I uh, just didn't do that right, but that's what it is. Now, uh, I also uh, give you some verbs that are often used with indirect objects. First of all, you use it with people, usually not, not persons. Nine times out of ten, this is going to be with people in Latin. And there are some verbs that just that just use this construction all the time. De monstro, he shows or points out something to someone. Decat, he says something to someone. Dot or donut, he gives something to someone. Inquit, he says something to someone. Mondot, he entrusts something to someone. Monstrot, he shows something to someone. Narot, he tells something to someone. Nuntiat, he announces something to someone. Uh, Respondet, Carla, is one we have trouble with in French, too. In English, we say he answers someone, but in Latin and in French, you say, really, he responds to someone. And that construction takes an indirect object, even though in English, we say, you answer, answer me. In French or in Latin, you have to say, answer to me, respond to me. And trado, he hands over to. Now, those probably aren't the only verbs that can take a, an indirect object, but they're the most common ones. And I just gave you them so you'd have something to hang your hat on, you might say. Uh, any comments on that? Any questions on any of that so far? And then the only other... These verbs... But you you just listed the third persons. You didn't list. Yes, yes, I did. I well, because we really see. I started all over again back here a while back when I started the nominative and genitive and all. I started mm -hmm. sort of over again. And so, as far as I'm concerned, you all don't know anything else about verbs right now. Some of you do because we've had it, mm -hmm. but you don't know first and second person of verbs yet. But they work the same way. Right. They would, they would work right. exactly okay. the same way. Um, but still, you're going, if you were doing this in an actual vocabulary list, you'd do your. Yeah, you'd I would say demonstro. Yes, I would say demonstro, demonstrare, whatever. Right. Okay. Yeah, I would. I just did it this way because well, we have some new people. And I and I thought, well, let's start all over. And it doesn't hurt some of you either. So probably not a bad thing. And I might start over again some other time after we cover uh you know, a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Who who wants to do what? Who's, you know. Um, now, this next concept is something that, that I found a little tricky when I first started Latin. It's not hard, but it's something that is kind of tricky. And it's something that is true in Russian. And it's true in uh, Latin. And I think it's true in German too, Carla, but you can tell me that. The difference between motion toward and the indirect object, okay? 
in in Latin prose, if you want to tell toward a place someone's going, you don't use the dative. You use odd plus the accusative. So here's some examples. We're filii pecuniam dot. The man is giving money to his daughter. Two, it's not toward. You can't say he's giving money toward his daughter unless you were talking about paying for her education or something. He's not giving money toward her. He's giving money to her, right, right into her hand. All right, but we're ad filiam ambulat. The man is walking toward his daughter. He's actually moving toward. And to do that, we don't use the dative, at least now, not in Latin prose. We use odd plus the accusative. You can also use in plus accusative, but that's going to mean into. But uh, there is a difference in the two. Um, now, sometimes you can use, there, there's one verb I can think of that could take either construction. And that's the verb mitto, to send. You can say, I sent something towards someone or I sent something to someone. And you could use either construction. I don't think they would care which one you use. But for the most part, there is a difference. German okay, is here. like that. It really is because, um, you, like, if you say, um, wo ist something, that's where is something. Mm -hmm. But wohin gehst du, to where are you going? And yep. there are a number of accusative prepositions that, you know, um, and then there are two-way prepositions, whereas if you are staying in place, you use the dative ones, yep. and yep. if you're more moving towards, it's the accusative. So this, this right. must be common in a lot of languages. Right. Same thing with Russian. You have kuda for where to, and you have gidye for where is something located. And of course, this is going to get into the ablative too, because in, in Latin, you have ablative of place where versus toward what. So yeah, it's common. And I think it confuses people uh, sometimes in, in Russian and in German at first until they get used to them. We, Ninette and I went into Russian already knowing Latin, so we had no trouble with it. We didn't have to even think about it. But Oh, anyway, here's some words. We've some of these words we've seen. Kibbas kibbi meaning food. I always wonder about the kibbles, you know, the cat food kibbles. I, I don't know where they got that from, and I don't even know how it's spelled, but it reminds me of this word. Uh, it's kibbles. spelled with a K, K-I-B-B-L-E. But I wonder if somebody was thinking little pieces of food, because that's what kibble would right. mean, but it's right. spelled different. Right. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to know where they got that word from. Um, also, a caboose on a train is where people go to eat. You know, it's where the where the train crew hangs out when they're not working. So I don't know if that has anything to that's do with it. That's got an O-O in it, though. I know. It's not spelled at all the same, but I, I don't know if it had any relation to it or not. But if it helps you to learn the word, because there's no real English derivative from that word, except for Here, it's 20 minutes to the top of the hour. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're going to go over this vocab, and then we're going to start talking about Roman history. Deus Dei means God. You know that word deify. To deify something means to make a God of it. Deity, a God. Dux ducus means general or leader. And you were called a dukes until you won a victory. Once you won a victory, then you were called an imperator. Uh, so you'd want to graduate from being a dukes. And that's where they get El Duce. Uh, Mussolini was called, you know, the leader. That's what that actually meant. 
Well, do they have, um, okay, uh, any relation to a Duke? Yep. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think the word Duke comes from this. Uh, you know, like a Duke is like a minor royal official of some kind. And I don't know that for sure, but I believe that it does. I never looked it up, but I believe that it does. Fabula, fabulae, story or fable. Doesn't have to be an animal fable, but it could be. Mercator, mercatoris means merchant. These are just words used in the sentences for this week coming up. Pecunia, pecunia means money. I love this word uh, because uh, when I was in 10th grade, I was reading David Copperfield. And if you've ever read that book, there's a guy in there named Mr. McCulber, and he's always having pecuniary difficulties. And I remember thinking, I know what that means. That means he's having money difficulties. And I was so proud of myself. I thought, boy, Latin really does help you with English after all. Um, and it just, you know, made me, made me happy that I took Latin. Portat, portant, he carries, they carry. Regina, Regina, meaning queen. We get the word Regina, the name Regina from it. Rex Regis means king. We get the word regal from it. Regicide is killing a king. Uh, scutum scuti means shield, no derivative that I know of, except that they used to sell a brand of raincoat called an aqua scutum. Which oh, in Spanish, you have escudo, you know, for escudo. Is that shield? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't, I was trying to think of the French word for shield, and daggone if I can think of it right off. I'm sure I had it. Signum signi means signal. Now you know why the word sign in English has a G in it because of that. And orps, orbis, means city, urban, suburban, etc. And wendit, wendunt means to sell. We get the word vending from that. Any comments? So for this week, try to do your exercises here. You got a lot of sentences with the dative. And you've got some declensions to do with the dative. And if, if you want to if you want to put the dative in the ones we just did, you could, but I'm not forcing you to do that. Anyway, do these as you can, and we'll go over these next week. Now, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about this stuff we've been doing with the kings of Rome and all that kind of stuff. But I want to just sort of give it a, a brief go over before we get into it. This is prehistory. This is prehistory for Rome, but this is what the Romans thought happened to them. We don't know if any of it is true. We don't know if they had seven kings. Seven's a good number. We don't know anything. Only thing we know for sure is that Rome started out as a little tiny city that didn't amount to a hill of beans. And by the end of this period, Rome is a much bigger city that's taken over some of its neighbor's territory and has built some major buildings on several of its little hills that it had. We also believe that they did get into conflict with the Etruscans, who are, remember, they're really smart neighbors up in the north, that the last, that the fifth and the seventh king were Etruscan kings that the sixth king was a time when maybe the Etruscans were thrown off for a little while and then came back. And then the seventh king 
gets very bad press and gets thrown out, maybe because he was Etruscan. And they thought the Etruscans were pretty wicked people. We don't know. But that's about what we can say as far as what really happened. We don't know. But I give you a little outline here. By the way, where is the who is the guy that writes all these stories that that we learn all this from? Remember his name? Livy. Yep, Livy. Titus Livius. We call him Livy. He wrote a book and he was trying to glorify Rome's past. Uh, and that's why he wrote these stories. Uh, okay, Romulus, first king of Rome, 753 BC, established the Senate as an advisory body to the king. And that word Senate comes from the same word we get senile from. Because, not because the senators were senile, although maybe they were, <laughs> but because they were older men whom he picked to be in the Senate originally. So it's like a body of the old. That was when they thought old people knew something. Uh, and so Senate really comes from the same word we get senile from. Uh, he brings women into the city by tricking the Sabines. You remember that story? By the rape of the Sabines. You, you remember that maybe. And uh, also ends up annexing Sabine uh, Sabines to Rome, although they, they have some fights later about who's going to rule who. Uh, but he did. Romulus ruled a while, and then Romulus disappears. You remember that story? Some people say he went up into the sky and became a god. Some people say, no, the senators killed him, cut him up into little pieces, and snuck him out of the Senate, and that's why nobody ever saw him again. So we don't know. We don't know. All right, number two, Numa Pompilius, a very religious king, established early religious practices, built temples. Uh, wasn't very warlike, but was very interested in getting the religious uh, stuff down. And the Romans had a very interesting idea of religion. Their idea was this, do ut des, which means I give so that you may give. That is, I'll give you all the worship and the sacrifices and the money I can, but I expect you as a God to give me something back for it. And the idea was the Romans were kind of good about this. They said, well, if it doesn't work, and if the gods don't give me anything back, I did something wrong in making my sacrifice. They usually didn't blame the gods. They simply said, I screwed up. And they uh, looked at it again. All right. Tullus Hostilius, his name sounds hostile, and he was a very warlike king. You remember the battle between the Horatii and the Curiatii, the battle of the triplets. We talked about how these three, these two sets of triplets fought. The Roman guy won uh, by kind of a ruse, by separating the wounded ones and then killing them. And uh, the Romans win that war. And then the guy kills his sister because she cries over the one guy who was dead. You remember we talked about that. If you don't remember something I'm saying, you know, remind me because I can always go over again. Um, the fourth king, by the way, Hotelus Hostilius turned to religion at the end of his life, but he did a sacrifice wrong and got struck by lightning and killed. So he should have left religion alone because he didn't know anything about it. Uh, the fourth king was Ancus Martius, grandson of Numa Pompilius. He was the second king. He was both religious and warlike. He built the big thing that he did is he built a wooden bridge across the Tiber, uh, which had never been done before. And uh, that was kind of important. Now, this fifth king, we have a lot to say about 
Tarquinius Priscus. He comes from Etruria. Remember, we talked about these Etruscans up to the north. The Etruscans were much more civilized than the Romans. They had cave paintings that you can see. Today, they had all kind of cement works and slag heaps and things that they knew how to deal with. They knew how to drain uh, the forum, for example. They knew how to drain marshy areas to get rid of the marshes so that they'd be more healthy. They knew a lot of engineering. And the Romans learned a lot from them, but didn't like them and destroyed them. Uh, but this fifth king came from there. He wasn't an Etruscan. He was actually a Greek. And he came because the Etruscans didn't like him and they wouldn't let him have any power. So he came down to give him, hoping he could, he could make good in Rome. And he did make good in Rome. He became the fifth king through tricking the sons of the fourth king into getting out of town at just the right moment. You remember that? And you remember the prophecy about the eagle? His wife felt that he would be good in Rome, and he certainly did become the fifth king. But he was kind of a tricky king. He was always kind of trying to plot how to get ahead, you might say. He did build the Circus Maximus and establish public games. Uh, he added membership to the Senate who would agree with him. He added people that he had brought into Rome who would do things the way he wanted them done. And he gets murdered by the sons of the fourth king who he gypped out of the kingdom. Uh, and his wife doesn't announce the murder of the fifth king until she installs the sixth king as king. And he was married to her daughter. He had been a slave that they had made good. He had been the one whose head caught on fire. Remember that story? He was original hothead. Yeah. And then the seventh king um, comes on the scene. He murders uh, the sixth king, takes over. Uh, and he's a very tyrannical kind of king. And because after murdering many of his relatives, uh, the only relative probably left was old Junius Brutus, and he's only there because he's pretending to be retarded. And uh, the seventh king, uh, his son was not very nice. He rapes a woman, Lucretia. By the way, there's a play by Shakespeare or a poem. I guess it's a poem of Shakespeare called The Rape of Lucrece, and it comes from this uh, poem. Uh, the rape of Lucretia. Anyway, he rapes Lucretia, and this so incenses Brutus, who has been pretending to be retarded all this time, that he throws off that disguise and gets the citizens to arm and to overthrow the seventh king. And they will now establish a new form of government called the Republic. And the Republic literally means the a public thing. A public thing, meaning that um, this, it will not be a perfect government. It will not be a perfect democracy, but it is a, it is the basis for a lot of what we have in our government. We're going to be looking next week at how this Roman government worked and how it can be compared to our government and looking at how our founding fathers, you know, what they, what they took out of it to make our constitution. Because these guys like James Madison and Jefferson, they 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 read Latin by the bucketful. I mean, they knew Livy. They had read Livy. So they knew all that stuff. Uh, it kind of amuses me when people say Latin is dead and all this stuff. And, and 
they don't realize how how much influence Latin has had on our country, um, just in the government itself. So, kind of interesting. Uh, any other comments on this? Anybody want to ask any questions? Anybody want to say anything about this stuff with Roman history? It's more like mythology in a way because you, you can't, you really can't say it's history exactly. You know of a table that, you know, that shows the kings and the years, and, you know, the Caesars. Well, they're not going to have the years because nobody knows. Uh, what I gave you is almost a table. Um, and you probably, if you've got a Roman history book out, you might find a table. This is about as close to a table as I've ever seen uh, that I just made for you. And I'll tell you where I, I uh, there's a book which you might like, might not like. Excuse me. Seven, one, five, four, one, nine, one, one, four. Sorry about that, guys. I got a phone call and couldn't get rid of it. Anyway, um, what was I saying, Carla? We were talking about tables, a table. Oh, the book that I'll tell you a book that I saw some of this in. It's not exactly in a table form, but it's I sort of took some of this out of it because it was a good summary of it. And that's the book called uh, Latin for Dummies. Latin for Dummies. It's and by the way. It's not a it's called Latin for Dummies, but it's really not a bad book. It's it's got a lot of good information in it. And it's written in a very, you know, kind of lighthearted way. Uh, but it it had a, a good summary of these kings. Is that and, on Bard? Um, Where is that? It is in Bookshare. I oh, okay. don't think it's in Bard, but it is in Bookshare. And it's 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 done pretty well. Um, it's a pretty good uh it's a pretty good book, really. Remember that whole series? They had, you know, Internet for Dummies and yep. I don't know, they had a whole bunch of stuff. And the, and the one for Latin is not too bad. It is on Bookshare. I wish it were on Bard because it, it really is the kind of book Bard could could have. Uh, Bard does have some things, but not much in Latin, more in Greek. It has Greek lyric poetry and all that kind of stuff. I was looking at Gutenberg, and they have some things in Latin, but I don't Gutenberg recall what it does? was. It was yeah, Gutenberg does. I should check that out. Yeah, it had several. If it had a book we could use, it might not be a bad thing. Because I mean, I'm yeah. doing the best I can, and I guess I'm doing all right. But uh, well, I don't know that we're doing a pretty good review right now. So hmm. anyway, we'll see. I'll look at Gutenberg. Yeah. So they might have some. And you guys can look too. Anything you find with Latin is good. I used to tell my students, if you bring anything in that has anything to do with Latin in your real life, you get extra points for it. Ooh. We used to call them living Latin legacies. And kids would try to bring them in. And, and I always said, I don't want just to, I don't want you just to go to a book and copy. I want you to really tell me something that you had came across in your real life and your 
in your experiences, not just some old thing you saw on a page somewhere, you know. So you had to kind of watch them because some of them would just go and look in a book and get it. You know. So you could sort of tell he was, he was doing it. Um, any other comments or questions on this? Well, like I said, next Hang week. the grace work. one more time since I missed it. Can we? Just I will do that. Okay. Ready, everyone? Oculi omnium in te spectan. Two dots. Wait a minute, Carl. I got to look at it myself. Hold up a minute. I only teach this about once a year. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here it is. Here we go. Oculi omnium in te spectan. Et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune, panem quotidianum da nobis hodie, per dominum nostrum, Jesum Christum. Amen. One more time. Oculi omnium in te spectant. Et tu das eis escam in tempore opportune, panem quotidianum da nobis hodie, per dominum nostrum, Jesum Christum. Amen.